it wasn't so good sometimes. Amen, I tell you. And um, it's a blessing to be here again. I was in a church one time out in, out by New England. You know, I wasn't in Connecticut yet, not at the time. By the way, it was Pastor Schott who got me introduced to Connecticut and Massachusetts and New Hampshire and out there in that area. He had me come out back in 19, I think it was 89, and then I got stuck going out there every year for 30, 34 years, amen. And well, what a blessing it has been. But I was in a church out there one time in that general vicinity, and and uh, the uh, first time I was ever there, and they had a uh, they had a choir. My message that morning was out of the book of Revelation on hot, cold, lukewarm. And I preached a message I entitled, because I know it's dealing with the church, and I preached a message to hot, cold, and lukewarm Christian, you know. And then I said, the Christian, here's the hot Christian loves this, the lukewarm Christian loves this, but the cold Christian loves this over here. And uh, that was my message. And, and then the music went on, and I did not change my message, let me tell you. Because one of the points of my message is that the world loves God's music, uh, the, uh, or the, the uh, Christian loves God's music, the hot Christian the lukewarm Christian likes God's music and the world's music mixed together, and the cold Christian likes sensual music, you know. And, uh, and so the music was going on, and, and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not against certain instruments, but I just sort of get bugged when somebody gets up there with a tambourine and they start doing this, you know. And my point in the message, so I did not change my message, but I just preached. When it was all done, the pastor came to me and said, Brother Mike, did our music offend you? I said, Brother, can I be honest with you? I says, I don't think you should worry if it's offended me. Maybe you think about if it's offended God, amen. So, and he still had me back the next year, hallelujah. But I said, don't change your message, preacher, no matter what happens. This is what I learned. Don't change your message. Just preach the word of God, amen. Hebrews chapter 4, and begin with me down in verse 14 to see again. We've already read the text. Thank you, Pastor. You keep me from having to do that, amen. And uh, make everybody stand up again, so it's good that we just do it that way. And I like that. And I did not change my message before I got up here, amen. I changed before I got to the church tonight on the way here. My message changed, but uh, God is so good. Isn't God good, amen? All the time, all the time, I want to tell you. God has been so good to me um, in my, since I've been saved. I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not uh, tell you all the blessings that God has done uh, in my life, in my wife's life, in my children's life, and just a, what a blessing, you know. You know what's really a blessing? I was the first one in my immediate family to get saved, uh, the first one to come to know Jesus Christ, and then I had the privilege to see my full brother get saved, and see his wife get saved, and then I watched all my children, my three children get saved, and have seen, I believe, all my grandchildren right now have been saved, amen, and and, uh, and, then, and then just to see it, and then a stepsister, I saw her get saved, and another stepsister led her to the Lord, led one of my stepbrothers to the Lord, and then led, that was at 10 o'clock at night in my dad's backyard, and then at my stepfather's backyard, his dad's backyard, and then that morning at 2.30 in the morning, led his wife to the Lord out in the gravel driveway in front of the house, brother. God's just been so good to me, amen. That's all niece gets saved, and I was in a meeting in Ohio a while back, and I was getting ready to come out of my trailer, it was muddy out, and my wife was way in the church and there was a, a walkway a board about the 10 inches wide I have a hard time walking on the sidewalk two foot wide let alone a board that's 10 inches wide you know I stumble all the time and falling all over the place and I walk out and here comes this young lady walking across, across well she wasn't real young pretty lady walking across the parking lot. I did not recognize her. And she's walking up to me, and I'm looking, and she, all of a sudden, bro, she threw her arms around my neck and gave me a hug and kissed me on the cheek. And she says, you don't know who I am, do you? I said, no. <laughs> she says, 
I'm your niece. <laughs> I haven't seen her in 15 years, amen. But she got saved, amen, in a meeting I was preaching in Ohio one time. Well, I tell you, God's just been so good and to see people get saved and to see people in your own family get saved. And well, God's just such a blessing to you, isn't he? God, God blesses you. Boy, I tell you, we have to just do what we can to be a blessing to others around us. Amen? That's enough of that. Let me get to the message now, amen. I had to throw something out there before I got started. You notice when I preach a lot of times, I use personal illustrations because um, I was never really too smart growing up, amen. And since I've been saved, I've done a lot of stupid stuff. Anybody want to admit that besides me in this room, amen? A couple of you, amen. And then a couple of wives go like this to their husbands. That's you, that's you, amen. <laughs> Here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, I love it. He says, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our professor. Let's not stop. Let's just continue. You're a born-again believer, saved by the grace of God. Hold fast to that. Don't let anything shake your tree. Don't let anything take that away from you. Don't let anything try to change your mind. You stand firm on the Word of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ died for you, and you trusted Him. Then he says in verse 15, for we have not a high priest. I love this verse. We, we, listen, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I can't understand that. I really can't, but I believe it, because the Bible says it, Amen. And because these, the Bible says Jesus cannot sin, could not sin, could never sin. Pastor, matter of fact, and I've gotten in trouble with this a couple of times, but I stand firm in what I believe. He couldn't even think about it. Because if he could dwell on it, then it could be in his life. He could not even dwell on it. That's how holy Jesus Christ was and is today. Amen? He's never changed. And so then he makes a statement, he says, the same way they says, let us therefore, because of these things, because he wants you to hold fast your profession, because you're saved, because he'd been tempted like such as you have been, yet without sin, he said, well, then, he said, then let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. I don't know about you, but I like, I like grace, amen. Uh, but, but it don't stop there, because he says, that we may obtain Mercy. I love mercy. I don't like to give mercy, but I like to receive mercy. Anybody else, amen? You know, I don't know, anybody, when you were growing up, did you ever play that game called Mercy? You know, I'm talking to you, I know some of us, well, yeah, you do it that way. We used to hold each other down on the floor and put our knees on there, and we take that knuckle right there in the same spot on the chest until they started crying, amen? I wouldn't cry, but boy, I'd get tears in my eyes, amen, let me tell you, amen. And I get finally had enough of them to throw them off and then beat the snot out of them, amen. I tell you, we were, we were bad, boy, we were mean. But he said, mercy, and I love mercy, I love the mercy of God. You know why? Because God's not some bully on the throne saying, how much you can take? That's not my God. My God's a loving God, and he died for you upon the cross of Calvary. He makes this statement then also, he says, to, find, to obtain mercy and find, what, grace to help in time of need. I'd like to speak to you for a few moments this evening on that one little word in the end of that text called help. Called help. The word help is interesting word in the scripture depending on how, the, depending on how it's used in the verse. 
means a few different things. There are a few different thoughts with it, Pastor. And so when you look at the word help, uh, the first thing I want to look at is the God or the one who gives aid. Now let me start with this illustration. I tell you, I use personal illustrations a lot. Um, this kind of help here, by the way, we're going to talk about is not, is not a dire help. It's just help. And so let me give you the verse uh, over in Genesis chapter 2, and then let me come back and give you an illustration along with this verse. Let's go to Genesis in chapter 2 just for a moment, and uh, you probably know where I'm going. The Bible says this over in Genesis chapter 2 down to uh, verse 18. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. And that word help there literally means help me. So the idea to help me, that's, that's the one who will come alongside. i got to tell you this, God will always come alongside you. He's always there to help you. I was um, in a, just started a ministry with my wife, and I, I love motorcycles, you know. And uh, yeah, I've ducked a couple of them over the years, laid a Harley down in the ark. That wasn't on the, like I wasn't on the cement, brother, one time, amen. And, and uh, one, of the, one of the first bikes I bought was a. <laughs> wasn't a Harley. It hurts me to say it, a Honda. <laughs> and anyway, that is Honda. And uh, I come out of the, I, where we were at in, in the children's home, and I walk out the side doors, and my van's parked there on these, on these, the cement pad. And on the other side of the cement pad, there's a little tree, and my Honda was parked over there by that tree. And I never did anything slow, Pastor. I've slowed down now, but I don't ride a motorcycle anymore because I know if it's going to go fast, I'm going to run it fast, amen. And, and I just, I, so I don't get on them, I just stay away from them, you know. But I got on this motorcycle that morning, and I'm getting ready to go out, and that Honda on the, on the right-hand side, it had, a, it had a little nub that you could push down, and you could rock that backwards, and it would lift that rear wheel off the ground. Like a little kickstand almost, but it wasn't a kickstand for the bike. It was to get, if you had to tighten the chain up or whatever. It was just how they designed it. And I had a hole in this pant leg right here, and, and, and I, went to, I went to get up, and I went to go around that tree on that motorcycle, and I'm sitting on it, and the grass was wet, and I goosed it, because I thought, I'm going to just take off and go, and I wasn't on the driveway yet, I was on that wet grass, and I went down on the motorcycle, my left leg is pinned underneath there, and my right pant leg got stuck on that stinking nub. You know what happens then? Your arm is not long enough to reach that pant leg, Don. No matter what you do, it ain't moving. And your other leg is pinned. You can't do anything. So you're helpless laying there. And I thought, well, I could call my neighbor. His name was Doug. But about 75, 80 yards away, I could say, hey, Doug. And he probably would have come over. But I did not want my wife to hear me. <laughs> you been there? So I finally gave in, and I said, Jenny, Jenny, she was in the other side of the glass doors on the couch having her devotions, and all of a sudden I hear that sliding glass door open up, and she steps out and she says, Mike? I said, over here. <laughs> she says, what are you doing over there? I said, I need some help. And the reason I did not want to tell her is because as soon as she stepped around the side of that van and saw me, she started laughing at me. 
And, so, and then I'm getting mad. I want you to help me, you know. And the more I ask her, the more she laughs, amen. So, but that wasn't, I, I wasn't hurting. I didn't need help. I just needed some help, amen. Just some help. One of his aid. Sometimes, sometimes, it could be this kind of help of God. God, this morning, as I'm reading your word, help me to glean something that will strengthen me. You're not screaming out for help from God. You just say, God, help me. Maybe in your prayer time in the morning, God, help me to, help me to be sensitive. Help me to uh, pray the right way. Help me to consider others. Help me to think about what I ought to be praying. God, show me what I ought to do. And maybe it's the kind of help that uh, maybe you just need to move something and you're asking somebody to help you. Maybe you're getting ready to go through a situation in your life and, and, and God knows all about it. Nobody else might know about it, but then you just say, Lord, help me. You know what I have to do today. You know what I'm going through today, Lord. You know, you know what, you know, Lord, you know all about this. I just need your help. He'll come alongside. He will help you. Amen. The book of Psalm chapter 33, verse 20 says this, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. The same kind of help there, the same word. Same kind of help. Psalm 115, verse 9, 10, and 11. O, house, uh, o Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Verse 10 says, O house of Aaron. He says, trust in the Lord, and he is uh, their help and their shield. Israel and the priesthood. And then he says in verse 100, or chapter 115, verse 11, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Who's you that trust the Lord? That's me and you. Amen. You trust the Lord? He says he is your help and your shield. He's your help. He'll come alongside. I saw, I saw a license plate one time that said, God is my co-pilot. I'm thinking, he's not my co-pilot, he's my pilot, amen. <laughs> I'm not even a co-pilot to him, hallelujah. <laughs> he directs the paths all the way. We just need to follow and be obedient, do what he would have us to do. Why? Because he is our help. Acts chapter 26, verse 22, the same thought comes out. The Bible says in verse 22, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none of the things and those things which the prophets and Moses did say should come. It's a sense of a servant that's giving assistance or help. The Lord wants to be your help. Amen. Wants to be your help. You have to forgive me as I have to take a sip of water every now and then. Maybe want a sip of that and just thought I'd offer, brother. Amen. <laughs> I was in a church preaching in Pennsylvania one time. I've been, I don't I couldn't tell you how many churches I've been, a lot of them, amen. And uh, I get to preach pastor and a young pastor there at the church, and, and uh, he had two cups up on the pulpit, and he said, Brother Mike, he said, the one on the left hand side is mine, and the one on the right hand side is yours. I said, okay, and the man was a big green glass about yay tall, and, and he was up there leading songs and doing, and he's drinking, sipping his water, you know, and putting it, I thought it was water, and I go to get mine, it was liquor, no, it was not, I'm just kidding you, amen. <laughs> Pick mine up, took a sip, it was good night, and one thing you don't need to give a preacher when he's preaching is Mountain Dew, amen. <laughs> I went for five hours, I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> I did tell somebody the other night, they asked me one time, Brother Mike, how long, what's the longest you ever preached? Two hours and 55 minutes. 
As in Papua New Guinea with two interpreters, amen? <laughs> that took a long time, brother, let me tell you. And they wanted more when I was done. I preached nine times that day, brother. Not two hours and 55 minutes every time, but nine times. Let me tell you, boy, it wore me out. Well, we see one that gives aid, help. And then we see one where it goes just a little bit farther. It's not, just a, it's not that you just need help. It might be help, help. And this is the idea of one who would surround and protect. Go to Genesis chapter 49 with me. Over in Genesis and chapter 49. Over in Genesis and chapter 49. And I want to read just a couple of verses to you. You know, this is where Aaron, uh, uh, Jacob is, is blessing his children. Amen. Some of them don't sound like blessings, amen. He makes this statement here. Watch what he says in, in verse 25. Even by the God of thy father who shall help thee, and by the Almighty who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven, above blessings of the deep that lieth under blessings of the breast, uh, under, excuse me, blessing of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. What's he telling? Here's what he's saying to Joseph. Joseph, the way that God surrounded and protected you, the way God took care of you when you, were, when you were cast into the well, when you were cast into that pit, when you were sold to the Moabites, when you were sold back into slavery, into Egypt, when you were in Potiphar's house, when Potiphar had you thrown in jail, when you got out of jail, when you were, in, when you were second most powerful man in all of Egypt. The same way that God protected you then is the same way that God will protect you now. Why? Because he surrounds you and protects you. Why, Joseph? Why? Because he loved Joseph, amen, and he loves you. And he will surround you, and he will protect you. That word there, the idea of that word that of help there in that text is the idea of being surrounded by the love of God, the things of God, the workings of God in your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. I don't know I, I know, I know we have angels, brother, that we're unaware of. Let me tell you, my wife says, your angel protected you, you know. And she says, when you get to heaven, Mike, they're going to beat you up because of how you made them work so hard, amen. And I don't know, I don't, know, I don't think that's doctrinally correct, but I'm ready to take it because I'll be in heaven. I ain't going to worry about it, amen. One who surrounds and protects. Joshua chapter 1, verse 12, verse 13 and 14. Here's where that word is used in uh, the same way. Watch. And to the Reubenites, and to the, they were coming, getting ready to come and cross the Jordan into the promised land. And so you got two and a half tribes here. He says, and to the Reubenites and the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, uh, Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. He's talking about this land on this side of Jordan. He said, your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan, but ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. You know, how, how, you, what you gonna, you're going to surround them. That word help there means to surround and protect. It means the thought of, of, of when, you're, when you're going into something in your life and, and you don't, don't need help, you need help to be surrounded by God. I love the book of Hosea and, and about Gomer, and I love the, the idea. Boy, I'm glad my wife's name not Gomer, amen. But, uh, it, it, but the idea that where it talks about surrounding uh, with a, a, whor, a thorn of hedges, a hedge of thorns. 
You know what heads is there for? Two things. Number one is to keep the world from getting in where it don't belong. Number two is to keep you from getting out where you don't belong. Ever push up against thorns? When we were kids, we had a behind, behind our house in town. We lived in a, in a small town, but there was a barn in our backyard where there used to be a field at one time. And along the backside of that barn, there was a little fence roll. And at the fence roll, there was blackberry bushes, brother. And the, black, the fence would be here, the blackberry bushes would grow up this way over. And there was just, if you were playing, uh, anybody who played kick the can? I'm not talking about kicking somebody's can. I'm talking about like hide and seek, kick the can, you know? And, and, and uh, so there, the, there was like a little tunnel there, uh, preacher, and you could, you could, you could uh, I'm not going to get down the ground and show you because I never make it, but you just scooch in backwards and you'd be facing out. You could get back in there far enough where they couldn't see you very well at, at this time of night, but you could see out there pretty good yet. And one night I was hiding in there and the biggest, I hate snakes, the biggest stinking garter snake I ever saw in my life. I am not kidding you. Came across in front of me and I made a new way out of that patch. That hurt. I, I think maybe he was just about that long. <laughs> I am not, I'm not kidding you. I screamed like a little girl and I got out of there. Amen. I'm just simply saying that God has a, a, you protected. And sometimes you use people to help protect you, but he's always protecting you. The Holy Spirit is always surrounding you. The angels of God are always there to lift you up and help you. Amen. I mean, they're always there. You can't, you can't get away from what the Bible teaches. No, you can try, but it ain't going to do you any good. God wants to be your helper. He don't just want to help. He wants to help. He wants to help when you had that time of need in your life. Another one I want to give you real quick. Look over in Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42. Over the book of Psalms and the 40 said, let me get myself over there. I'm good about saying where I'm going, but I never get there, amen. Hey, just recently here, Pastor, I'm in my son-in-law's church, Mark Albert, down there in Manitou Beach. It was a Wednesday night service, and I'm sitting there beside my daughter on this side, and my that's dangerous already, amen, and my, my, my wife on this side, you know, and the grandkids are surrounding us, and I'm sitting there, and, and he always has you read certain portions of scripture, and so he, he, told, uh, he told his one daughter, he said, uh, you read this, and his son, you read this, his other daughter, you read this, and a couple of people at the church, you read this, and he told Rochelle, you read this, and he told me, so go to the, go to the book of Psalms and chapter, whatever, I can't remember what it was now, and, and I want to tell you what, I know my Bible. I drew a complete blank. I mean, it's just like the light went off. And so I'm just sitting there, I'm looking, and, uh, and my wife says, you need help? <laughs> and I just look at her, my daughter says, my daughter says, it's before Proverbs. <laughs> I said, I know where it's at, knock it off, amen. <laughs> Ever do that, you just draw a blank. It's in the middle of the Bible, it's so easy to find. I just, brother, I just sit there thinking, Duh, what happened? I have no idea. Just drew that blank, amen, completely. 
In Psalm chapter 42, look at me in verse 1 through 5. He says, The heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? What is one of my favorite portions of Scripture? I love this piece of Scripture. He said, My tears have been my meat day and night. Were they continually to say on me, to say to me, uh, Where is thy God? Hmm. You know, sometimes when we're in trouble, we complain. Where are you, God? How come you're not showing up? How come you're not taking care of us? How come you're not dealing? I got a friend right now, bro. I'm telling you, he just he does he 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 don't get it. A preacher, but he don't get it. I pray and I ask God for this, and He's not answering my prayer. He's not doing this. Where are you, God? That's what this was here. So he says this: Where is thy God? And then the statement: When I remember these things, I'll pour out my soul on me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. Then he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. This word is a little bit stronger of a word. It's the idea of not just help, it's not the idea of just help, it's the idea of help! It's one who will deliver. God will deliver, amen? When, when we get saved, he delivers us from eternal damnation, amen? And when you got saved, you got victory. You know what, Pastor? I can't get any more victory, but now I need deliverance a lot of times. Because I got all the victory I need in Jesus the moment I got saved. But then I get off of my own little thing, and then, now I need deliverance because of my sin, because of where I'm at. But I already got victory. I just need to claim it and live it and do what's right as a believer in Christ and follow Him and do what He would have me to do as a child of God. Psalm 60, verse 11 says, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. He's empty. Man's help means nothing. He said, but boy, he said, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. When, um, no illustration, personal, <laughs> I probably won't tell the whole story. I might tell the whole story just in a minute here, but personal illustration. When um, my wife and I were first married, and, and uh, I started preaching almost as soon as we got married, brother, you know, in a little church, and off and on, and then I got, like I told you and I got a little bit disgruntled about some things and left and wasn't doing right, and then I got a job, and I worked about four weeks, and my wife, well, was two weeks, and, and, and uh, my wife told me after about the third week or so, she said, you know, Mike says, um, now I knew what tithe was, I heard about tithe, I didn't, wasn't tithing right, you know, but I didn't, I heard about tithe, you know, so when you're young and you hear about those things, you don't always really think, that's what I ought to do. So my wife's standing at the sink in our house, and she turns around, and she looks at me, and she, you know, Mike says, really, you should be paying tithe on that, uh, on your income. And so I, I'm, you know, in all my wisdom, I said, um, why? No, I knew why. I'm being, you know, everybody here is smart mouth besides me. I <laughs> see a few hands, a few of you are brave enough to raise your hands, amen. Turn around and look, preacher, turn around and look. No, just kidding, amen. 
So I said, why? And she says, because God gave you that job. But I didn't stop there. Because I ain't so smart. So then I said, I don't remember God filling out the application. <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing the ooh and the head shaking no. <laughs> and then I didn't stop there. I said, I don't remember God having the interview. And then I went one step farther. I said, God's not working the job I am. I think I'm just going to do with my money what I want to do. It's mine. And I knew better by just being a smart aleck preacher. I worked four weeks. I was 28 days. And I went home and was mowing my lawn. And my stinking lawnmower broke down. And I went out to buy a new one. That lawnmower cost me almost, and I'm going back when minimum wage was only $2.85 an hour. Imagine that, young folks, amen. <laughs> and that lawnmower cost me almost to the exact penny what my tithe would have been for four weeks. I got up the next morning, the 29th day, one day short of being in the union there. I am not a union man, but I'm just saying that I had a union in that shop. One day short of the union, one day short of full coverage insurance. I mowed my lawn outside in front of our house, and we had a ditch that was about, oh, maybe about three and a half feet up, and I'm going down. I know you should mow a lawn this way when you're in a ditch, amen, mow it sideways. I wasn't that smart. I told you I ain't that smart. And I'm going down this way, and I'm walking backwards like this, and I'm going back down. The grass was wet. I made about four or five passes, and all of a sudden, I slip. And when you slip, your hands go up in the air. Your nose that? And my right foot hit the back of that lawnmower and pushed it up farther, and my left foot went underneath it. And that lawnmower came down and went ka-chink. I thought, I didn't feel a thing. And that lawnmower kept running. Three and, a half, three and a half horse at Tecumseh, amen. <laughs> Didn't stop that engine. Boy, just like the Timex watch. I pulled my foot out, and there was my toe looking at me backwards, my big toe on my left foot, looking at me backwards out of my tennis shoe. Hmm. I'm laying in the edge of the yard. I crawl over to the edge of the driveway. The lawnmower's still running. I didn't even shut it off. I'm laying in the edge of the driveway, and I'm about 85 to 90 feet, maybe 100 feet from the house. My wife's inside the house, and I holler for her. Now, I didn't say, Jenny. And I didn't say, Jenny! Jenny! It's the top of my lungs. My neighbor, a quarter mile down the road, a farmer heard me. He thought I got bored by one of his bulls. He come flying down the road on this tractor, jumped off the tractor, saw my foot, went running up to the house, banging on the door, told her, Mike got hurt, called the ambulance, and uh, she came. She thought I was calling for her to bring me a glass of iced tea. I don't know how she got iced tea. I was, Jenny! But she got it, amen. She did come out with a cold rag of ice in it and a glass of iced tea. And let me tell you, I was glad to get both of them, one for my foot and one to have something to drink. And man, I tell you, I, that put my mouth so dry then it was pathetic, amen. And I'm laying there in the grass, and, and, and 
then the ambulance comes and they take off. The, there's no, it's gone today. There's no, no big toe there. So I like to say when I stumble, I blame it on that. It's not because I find my wife's bottle underneath the sink in the morning. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Don't get that. <laughs> I'm just simply saying, I needed help. And we need help. Help or help. God will be there to help you. Give us help for trouble, for vain is the help of man. Oh, my soul, oh, keep my soul, Psalm 2520. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. 799 says, Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of thy name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Help us, Lord. Purge away our sins. I wonder, I wonder how many of us are willing to say, God, purge away my sins. We start praying like that. There might be some things going on in our life, brother, to get us away from that sin. Amen. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength. A very present what? Help in what? Trouble. In trouble. Yeah. Amen. When you're in trouble, boy, God's there to help you. No matter what kind of trouble it is, no matter what kind of help you need, God is there to help you. I cannot tell you how many times, even just simple little things. We were going down the highway one time, and in, uh, I was on Route 75, and I was in Florida, and I don't know if you've ever been in one of those rainstorms where it just it dumps so fast, so quick, so hard, that you can't see hardly past the hood of your truck. You know what I'm talking? And I got a 16,000-pound trailer behind me, Pastor. I got a one-ton a one uh, Chevy pickup at that time that weighed about 4,000 pounds, um, 20,000 pounds of equipment going down the highway. Let me tell you, they don't stop as quick as what you think they will stop. They're not like a big semi, amen? And so I'm coming down the road, and all of a sudden that rain hit like that. I'm in the center lane. I'm looking both ways. I can't get, I can't see even my mirrors. I can't see anybody behind me. I can't see anybody in front of me. And all of a sudden that rain quit, and when it quit, a lady had stopped in the road almost right in front of me within about 25, 30 feet. And I was only, uh, back all the way up to about 35 miles an hour, but there was no way I was going to miss her. With a whole uh, back of that truck, that, that with that back full of children, like six or seven kids in the back of that truck, brother. When the, the back cap was open, you could see all these little faces looking at you. And I just said, up, and I just swerved. And I don't know how I missed that truck, a big, a, that vehicle by that much. I'm not kidding you. But when you need help, God will help you. Amen. We don't have to bow our head and close our eyes to get help. Amen. <laughs> I think some people think that. Well, let me stop waiting. All right, here, Lord. Uh, God, I need your help. No, don't close your eyes when you're driving, please. Amen. <laughs> you scare me. Half I scare my wife bad enough driving, let alone something like that. Help. Let's have our, maybe it's, let me do this. Maybe it's, some people need help in their salvation. Because you can't get saved on your own. You can only get saved by knowing Jesus Christ. He's the one that helps you to understand that you might become born again and saved by the grace of God. So let me just finish this way tonight. Are you saved? Do you need help? Putting your faith and trust in Christ, calling upon his name, asking him to forgive you for your sin, that you might be born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.